Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Welcome to Awake to Oneness Radio. I am Caroline Chang, your host. The mission of Awake to Oneness Radio is to inspire the world to awaken to the universal truth of oneness. Science is now teaching us that all life is interconnected and interdependent. And in truth, we're all one. Now, ancient wisdom and spirituality has been teaching the truth of oneness for eons. So science is kind of new to it, but it's not new science. This science is really over a hundred years old. So science is telling us, spirituality is telling us, ancient wisdom is telling us in truth, we're all one, we're all connected. What you do to another person, you're literally doing to another aspect of yourself. And when mankind awakens to the universal truth of oneness, there will be peace on earth. Today's show topic is helping souls heal with Dr. Jeff. Thank you, Dr. Jeff, for being my guest on Awake to Oneness Radio. Well, it's a pleasure to be with you. Thanks for having me. Um, I, I kind of came across, I came by that, uh, that Dr. Jeff title in a strange way. Uh, I have a good friend named uh, Jeff Olson, and he and I present together uh, in conferences occasionally, and it got a little bit confusing uh, with the two Jeffs, and so um, Jeff Olson gave me the title of Dr. Jeff, and it stuck to me like a bad rash, Um, but it's okay. I like it. Uh, I like it, too. (laughs) uh, I've been an emergency physician for 25 years, and so I'm used to being called doctor because people don't remember my name, and they always can just call me doctor. Uh, so I'm, I'm okay with it. Um, I uh, I came into my current uh, uh, work of helping souls heal in a long roundabout way. In fact, the way I met Jeff Olson is a good example of how that happened. Jeff Olson was involved in a terrible car crash uh, a little over 20 years ago. Uh, the crash nearly killed him, and it did uh, take the life of his wife and his 14-month-old son. And he had an out-of-body experience uh, at the time of the crash, although I didn't know that at the time. Anyway, he was flown to my emergency department. uh, And when I went into the trauma room to see him, I saw his deceased wife standing in the air above him observing his care. And she communicated with me. And uh, about a month later, through a set of circumstances it takes too long to explain, Jeff and I uh, became acquainted, and we've been good friends for over 20 years now. And I ultimately learned about his near-death experience when he was out of his body and had a communication with his wife as well. 
at which time she told him, you have to go back and raise our son, because they had another son, a seven-year-old son, who survived the crash almost uninjured. And I had a number of those kind of uh, um, encounters, if you will, those kind of spiritual experiences in the emergency department. I've literally seen souls leave their bodies at the time of death and communicated with them before they left this realm. And people, I didn't talk about this for over 20 years. Um, All the time I was practicing medicine, I didn't talk about it. I've stopped seeing patients in the emergency department recently, and now I feel a bit more comfortable talking about some of these things. And I just assumed that they happened to everybody. I didn't uh, recognize my spiritual journey as such because it had been going on with me most of my life, uh, certainly uh, since before I was an adult. And when I started to share, people would come and ask me uh, how I had this gift and what's when it started. And, uh, and I'd never thought about those things because I'd never thought of it as a gift. But when people started asking, it forced me to think about it. And in thinking about it, I concluded that it began when I was 11 years old when my brother was killed in a farm accident. I had an older brother who uh, I was very close to, and I shouldn't say was because I still have an older brother. And in fact, uh, he still comes and visits me and teaches me things and and uh, gives me uh, some direction and counsel. And, and so I still have a very active older brother that I'm very close to. His name's Stan. And that kind of started my spiritual journey. So when you... St- when you talk about science coming uh, together in a way, it's been that way all my life. People would come to me frequently and say, how do you uh, reconcile your scientific training, your medical training with these spiritual experiences you talked about? And for me, there was nothing to reconcile because I never saw a conflict between the two. I spent a decade of my life learning how to be a physician and another 25 years practicing. And I saw that as caring for people's physical, physical bodies in large measure. Certainly there's spiritual and emotional components as well, but much of what you learn in medical school is how to take care of the physical body. And in my mind, that never precluded the notion of a spiritual existence. Um, And so I always saw the two in harmony together and never as a conflict. And after I stopped seeing patients uh, in the emergency department, um, and I started visiting with them about uh, some of my experiences, because I I finally wrote some of my experiences in a book called Not Yet. And when people started asking me about the book, those conversations almost inevitably uh, became deep spiritual conversations about spiritual gifts and how we get connected spiritually. And I learned in those conversations quite by accident that I could discern people's spiritual gifts, often gifts that they weren't aware of themselves. Mm -hmm. And I could help them realize those gifts and own them. And in so doing, they could find their own answers. And so now I do personal one-on-one mentoring as well as workshops to help people connect to their spirituality and their centeredness and uh, the universe. And and that's in a nutshell, my journey. Wow. So beautiful. Well, a couple of things Um, I would like you to share, because I know you shared your um, 
experience with Jeff Olson's and, and seeing, you know, communicating with his wife who had transitioned in the accident um, while you were working on Jeff. And, I, and Jeff has been a guest on, on the show. I, 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 we, we know that story and we love that story. It's so fantastic. But um, can you share a few more of those types of experience? So that wasn't your first experience as a doctor. It, it, it wasn't my first. Uh, it, it certainly wasn't my last. Um, uh, there was one nurse in the department who uh, was very spiritually inclined. And in fact, she's the one that kind of drug out of me some of my spirituality because I had uh, not talked about it. I, I considered it too personal, too sacred, if you will, to talk about. Mm -hmm. And uh, she shared some things with me and persuaded me to share some things with her. And so she and I had a bit of a connection that way. And the, the night that Jeff Olson got flown to my emergency department, I was elsewhere in the, in the department. I wasn't providing his care. Oh, okay. um, but she came and grabbed me and, and said, you have to come to the trauma room. And I said, why, why do I have to come? And uh, I was busy doing other things. And she said, no, you have to come. She's there. And I said, who's there? And she said, his wife, she's there. You have to come. And see, when somebody gets flown in, we get a radio contact or telephone contact telling us that somebody's coming so the team can be assembled and ready when they arrive. And they tell us uh, a bit about the accident. I, I knew that Jeff was coming, although I didn't know his name at that time. I knew that his wife and 14-month-old uh, son had been killed in the crash. And, and so when she said she's there, I realized what she was talking about. And so I went with her to the trauma room, and I saw Tamara. That's Jeff's uh, deceased wife's name. Okay. And uh, this nurse that was with me saw her at the same time. We experienced it together. Awesome. And, and uh, people asked me, well, did you see with your physical eyes? And I have to, I have to clarify, I suppose, uh, eyes are a mortal thing. Uh, they're part of our physical body, and they process... Uh, light and convert it to electrical signals that are processed by our brain, and then our brain generates the image uh, in, in that we see. And in my opinion, or my experience, we don't really see spirits in the same way, we experience them. Okay. And, and it kind of bypasses our physical senses, which we tend to think are great assimilators of cues and and data, and in, in some ways they are that. But when it comes to things spiritual, our senses and our mind in many ways are filters. Yeah. Uh, and we bypass all those filters when we experience spirit. Okay. And so when I, when I experienced Tamara, I knew her. And I had this profound and sudden flow of knowledge. And I could see in all directions at the same time. And I could see her, but I could see beyond her and what was on the other side of her at the same time. And when I walked over and looked down at Jeff's body on the gurney and I felt the pulse in his leg and I, uh, I knew he'd lose his leg, I, I said, he's going to lose the leg. And, and while I was looking down at him, I could see her still standing behind me in the air because I could see in all directions at the same time. Um, so... When I say see, or when people talk about spirit and they say see, they're talking about something that's much more comprehensive than the mortal experience of seeing something, because it's almost always accompanied by this profound 
understanding. But it's not something that's forced upon you. It's more like this common knowledge that's hanging in the air, waiting for you to participate and take it in if you choose to. Wow. Um, uh, and so knowledge flows, of course, without words, at least without the necessity of words. And, and that was a typical experience uh, for me when I'm in spirit. Wow. That's amazing. Uh, and it's so amazing that it was not just you, but also the nurse. So right. That, yes. That is so amazing. Oh, it, it, it actually reminds me of an experience I just had yesterday evening. Now, I, I, my son is in spirit, and I have a little dog that's in spirit. And when, um, what happened, okay, I teach piano lessons. And I was finishing up my lessons. I had one little student that was six years old. And we know children also, like you said, your, your uh, gift started when you were a child. And children are very close to the spirit world. They're more sensitive to the spirit world than we are as an adult. So as I was finishing up teaching, my student said to me just yesterday evening, uh, your dog spirit is still here. Your dog is still with you. She's right over there. And he pointed to the corner that she always, when I used to teach, she would always be in her doggy bed, you know, just laying there listening. She loved listening to the children play. And he, it was just, it just touched my heart that he could sense my dog's spirit because he knew nothing. He, he never saw my dog. Um, you know, this was many, my dog transitioned in 2007 and I just started teaching him a year ago. So he had no idea I had a dog, but he said to me, just, he's like, your dog spirit is still with you. So I understand he knew exactly where she was. He sensed her. I don't know if he saw her the way you saw, uh, Jeff's wife, but it's so true that, yeah, our loved ones are always still with us. Yes. Yes. Um, as a matter of fact, just a few months ago, I was with a mentoring client. Uh, I do a process, uh, I call it lunch with Jeff. It's an introductory offer, if you will, for mentoring. And uh, you you pick a restaurant and buy me lunch and I'll give you two hours. So I've had some clients fly in from out of state uh, and uh, had some, invariably, we have a very... Uh, life-affirming experience. Sometimes it's very revealing. And on this occasion, I was visiting with this woman, and we were talking, and uh, I felt inclined to ask her about her father. And she and her father had a little bit of a strained relationship at times. But since he died eight years ago, uh, I asked her, "Does he? do you ever feel close to him? And she said, oh, yes, I do often. And as she said that, he sat down in the chair next to us. He, he came there. And I wasn't the only one that was aware of his presence. She was as well. Okay. And you can imagine that was quite a, quite a wonderful experience uh, for us. And, and I understood and communicated with her that he'd struggled uh, in his life to show her the kind of love that she deserved and that he wanted to share. It was hard for him, uh, but that he was a better soul now, that he was more complete and he wanted her to feel his love and, that's why she was feeling him near at times was because it was his ongoing effort to heal their relationship. And she, she wept as we talked. It was, it was a moving experience. Yes. Very healing. Yes. Yes. 
very true. Yeah, because one of the first, my son is also in spirit. Uh, he transitioned four years ago and I get messages from him all the time. But one of the first messages I got from him was, um, it, it was like, um, some, sometimes I wish I could go back and know what I know now. So like he said with the father who's, you know, he, he, of course our parents love us, but sometimes not, they don't, because we're not always taught how to be affectionate. And um, so, you know, sometimes while they're here in, in physical, they don't know how to show us that affection. But once they get on the other side, you know, they want to show us and they still can show us that affection from the other side. Yeah. Yes, that's that. Frankly, has been one of my struggles uh, until very recently was how to uh, verbalize and show affection and love in a, in a way that people deserve to feel it, uh, unreserved, uh, unending, unconditional, uh, and that that was a struggle for me for a long time. And only recently was I out running. I, I get I get a lot of downloads when I'm running. Okay. And. Uh, I asked the question, I said, why do I struggle to love? Uh, and it, it was either the right question or the right day or both. But the answer came back immediately. And it was, so you can understand those who struggle to love and help them. Oh. And I thought, oh, well, well, that makes sense. I can, I can accept that. I, why, why couldn't you tell me that 30 years ago? But uh, <laughs> Of course, if, 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 if I'd have been told 30 years ago, it would have avoided the whole, the whole process. But see, I had some context then, and it made sense. And uh, the next uh, morning, uh, the same messenger came back to me and, and said, every experience is to enable you to help someone else. Mm. And that caught me off guard because I'd always thought that experiences were for personal growth. Mm-hmm. And that if we chose to, we could use that experience to help others. And my, my tutor said, no, 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 no. Every experience is to enable you to help someone else. And you get the secondary benefit of personal growth. Okay. So totally flip-flopped my, my priorities and why I'm here. And, and that was part of what drove my, my mission statement, my personal credo, I exist to help souls heal. That's why I'm here. Yes, yes. And it's a beautiful thing. And like you said, every experience, and especially experience of losing a loved one, like um, my son transitioned, and those experiences sometimes, you know, if we don't open ourselves up to that experience, it does take us, because once, that's how I started the show. Um, is my I feel my mission is to share the truth of oneness because I think that's so important for us to understand the connectedness that we're all connected and that unconditional love that you just spoke of to show unconditional love to others and when we understand that oneness we can show unconditional love because we know that other is just another aspect of us so I felt my mission in life after my son transitioned was to to that was my calling so like you said when we have these experiences that are awakening experiences that we just feel guided to live our purpose and it's great that you said that you're able to help others find that purpose 
you know, their own personal purpose, which is cool. Yeah, yes. And one of the things I found too is hand in hand with that universal love that we're striving to find and experience and share mm -hmm. is the notion of empathy. Um, you mentioned earlier about helping parents heal. I think one of the reasons helping, parent, helping parents heal is such a healing organization is because it uh, consists of a group of people who share a common experience and therefore they have empathy for one another. And if we think about our experiences in this life, not for our own selfish reasons, but as an instrument to enable us to help others, we quickly realize that what enables us to help them is the empathy. Um, and when we talk about universal oneness, in a way, what oneness is, is empathy. Because then we start to realize not only are we all connected, but we all have the same feelings and we go through experiences to learn to feel what the other person is feeling and help them experience it and get through it and, and grow from it. Um, I've uh, said in the past occasionally, pain makes us all alike. Empathy makes us one. Mm-hmm. Uh, and in some ways, the common uh, denominator in humanity is pain. Mm -hmm. And we tend to want to shy away from it. Uh, but when we go through it, we learn from it, and it makes us one. It gives us empathy and enables us to understand and help each other. And one of the experiences I share in my book is uh, I, I met a woman quite by I was going to say quite by accident, but yeah, most of our listeners don't believe in accidents. Um, I, this woman walked up to me in a public place one day and she said, I, I know you from somewhere. Where do I know you from? And we had that conversation that everybody's had. And ultimately we found out that uh, we'd met pri previously in the emergency department when I cared for her husband. Okay. And uh, a year or two after that experience, her husband was actually killed in a car crash. Uh, and it was just weeks after she'd given birth to her sixth child. Mm -hmm. And I wanted to help her, but I didn't know how. Okay. And she had finances. She had friends and family. She had the usual support system. And I didn't know how to help her, but I felt compelled that I needed to. Mm -hmm. And one day I was driving home in the middle of the night from the emergency department. And Spirit spoke to me and said, her name was Rebecca. Mm -hmm. uh, Spirit said, is Rebecca's family any less important in my eyes than yours? And I thought, well, no, of course not. And Spirit said, then why should, she, why should they be in yours? Why should they be less important in your eyes than your own family? And I immediately started to rationalize. And I thought, but wait a minute, that's my wife and my kids. They have to be my first priority. And yet at the same time I was thinking these things, Spirit said, so I should say I had this flow of knowledge that this voice that spoke to me loved all souls equally. Yes. And that I could too. Yes. And suddenly my circle of responsibility dramatically expanded. Yes. And so I asked the question, I said, well, can I carry some of her spiritual burden for her? Mm -hmm. And surprisingly enough, the answer was yes. Mm -hmm. And so much of the sorrow and loneliness and grief uh, that was part of her world with her husband's passing 
settled onto my life and I carried it for some time. And I didn't know that that was possible until I experienced it. And it's all about learning empathy and helping each other in our struggles and in our suffering. Yes. Very true. Very true. And like you said, when you, when we go through that pain, that's when we, we discover how we can help another because that has gone through that same pain and we went through it so we can, we can help guide them through it. And that is actually, that becomes our mission. We each have a unique mission in that way. That's why our lives are, you know, so different in a sense, but we, that pain, the way when we go through that pain, we're able to help others go through that same pain. Right. Yes, I, I agree. On, on One day I was going about my business in my home and I was just overwhelmed with this horrible, heavy, sorrowful darkness. And it was so, it was so profound. I had to sit down because I, I thought if I didn't sit down, I might fall down. Mm-hmm. And it just pressed upon me from every angle until I thought that I might die. And, and mind you, I'm, a, I'm an emergency physician. Yeah. I literally thought that I might die. And in, the, in that extremity of sorrow and suffering, Spirit spoke to me and said, this is how Rebecca felt the day her husband died. It wasn't some impersonal, this is what it feels like to lose the loved one. It was exquisitely personal, and it was very specific. This is how Rebecca felt the day her husband died. So when I had volunteered to carry some of her spiritual burden, I was given this intimate experience to know what some of that burden was, and I was given the specific experience of knowing how it felt, even though my spouse hadn't known. Right, yes. Wow, because that allowed you... For you to feel that allowed you to empathize and also be a help to her. To, yes. Wow. Amazing. So um, now your book, you said, is titled Not Yet. Why is it, what's that not yet mean? Um, a lot of people assume that that not yet has something to do with transitioning and not transitioning yet. Okay. But that's actually not what it has to do with. Okay. I told you about this experience I had with Rebecca and this horribleness that was in my life. And it was so bad at one time. I used to get up in the night, in the middle of a sleepless night, and I'd sit in a chair and I'd weep because it was so bad. And um, I was angry and frustrated about how horrible it was. Uh, and yet I'd ask for it in a, in a way, naively. Yes. And one night I was, I was petitioning heaven for relief. I wanted out and I wanted to do something different. Um, and, and in the process of, of seeking that uh, relief, the answer I got was not yet. Okay. Apparently I hadn't learned what I needed to learn. And, uh, um, it was an extremely painful and, and discouraging experience, but it was also very instructive because sometime after that, I was similarly uh, frustrated and, and, and uh, desiring something better, more light, if you will. And I could see a path. I could see the light where I needed to go and I wanted to get there. Okay. And I was given permission to go, and I was told exactly the steps I needed to do to come out of it. And then Spirit said, 
But if you want the greater blessing, endure it for now. Mm, I get it. Now, for some reason, um, Dr. Jeff, your video froze, but that's okay. We, I still hear you fine. So that's okay. I just want to let you know you're, uh-oh. No, no, now you're back. You there? No, you know what? My phone. Yes, it might have interfered when the phone, yeah. it might have interfered with the uh, video feed but that's okay we heard every word and that's the most important yeah okay. we didn't miss a word but that's that is amazing what you just shared it, it uh the not yet because i get it um yeah because it was like if, even if we use jeff and his wife jeff olson it wasn't jeff's time it wasn't it was not yet for jeff even right. though it was and his wife knew right away it was her time it's not your time, you know? And I do believe that. I believe we, uh, life is eternal and we choose to come in to this life experience and we choose to go out. And it's always perfect divine timing. Even if it's just, even if it's a baby that transitions, we like, it's, you know, it's too soon. We human, our humanness thinks it's too soon. But that soul knew exactly why he came and exactly why he left and it's always perfect and so your spirit telling you not yet you know because I think we've all felt that I mean I before my son transitioned I tried to commit suicide when I was told he was going to transition and this was two and a half years before he actually transitioned but I said I'm not living through that and I tried to but obviously it wasn't my time it was not yet, <laughs> you know, you still have work to do. And, uh, and then when he did transition, I was at peace because I understood at that time um, when he actually transitioned that it was his time and he wasn't going, he wasn't leaving me. Um, so that's why I was able to, you know, to, to, you know, go through that experience at peace. And I think that it ha allows me to help other parents. And one of the things I learned from, from the second experience, it, it was a similar experience where I, I could find my way out and I was given permission to go, but I was told, yes, you can do it. But if you want the greater blessing, endure it for now. And, and for me, that was the restoration of hope. Okay. Because then I realized, wait a minute, there's a greater purpose to this than I understand. There's a more divine pathway than I might choose for myself. But there's there's a there's a love there's a profound opportunity for for me to learn and grow and I can trust this now and I have hope again and I can proceed through it and so it was a very empowering experience when I was given that right to choose it's so important that we recognize we have the opportunity to choose and that we use our choices wisely. Very true. Very true. And I, I try to stay focused in the now in the sense that I remind myself in every now moment, I could choose that, that path, you know, so if I mess up in one moment, okay, that moment's gone, I'm creating this experience in every now moment. So okay, don't focus on the misstep, focus on the now, because now is the time. Now is your point of power. As one of my favorite, one of my favorite books is The Power of Now. And, and to remind people that don't worry about what happened before and the future is ahead of you, but it's the now that gives you that power to change the direction of where you're going. 
I'm actually reading that book presently. Really? I'm reading it right now. And, and it really resonates with me. So much of what Eckhart Tolle talks about in that book uh, parallels exactly my personal experiences. Even to the point of, I had a friend tell me uh, at least 35 years ago, I think, uh, that I should always teach people in such a way as to help them realize they've always known it. And Eckhart Tolle says something very similar to that in his book when I read it. And, and it's the first place I've ever read it besides my personal uh, friend who, who shared it with me one day. Okay. Uh, and I, I kind of, for a long time, thought that living in the now stuff was kind of cliched. Okay. You know, you can't fix the past and you can't live in the future. So don't worry about the future. Just live in the now. And I thought that was a little too neat and tidy until one day it dawned on me. You can only experience spirit in the now. Yes, exactly. Very true. So, and I, when I, I read it, I read it many years ago. It made me really think, how much time do we spend either worrying about the past or worrying about the future? How much time, how much time are we not present? And I realized most of the time I'm not most present. Yes. And you live life. You experience life in the presence, present moment. So every time you're, we're not in the present moment, we're actually missing out of our own life. So I, yeah, it was a big, the power of now was a big awakening for me. Yes. I, I read the Bhagavad Gita uh, many years ago. Um, I, I, I've studied the Torah in Hebrew. I've, uh, I've studied the Quran and and I just a couple days ago, yesterday or the day before, on my Facebook page, I posted a quote from the Bhagavad Gita about how work is not accomplished in some by and by future. It's accomplished in the now. Uh, you have to focus on the now. Yes, yes, life is happening. And and in truth, well, I believe, and I share, I always say, I believe what resonates is true for me. And I, I don't um, insist that people buy into what resonates for me. But I do believe in spirit, there is no time. Um, and, and, and we go back to science. Um, it was Albert Einstein said, a hundred um many years ago maybe a hundred years ago um that time is merely an illusion albeit a very persistent one so because he was researching time so yes we use time as a tool in this realm but in the spirit realm there is no time all there is is the now in spirit so. yes i i agree time is a slippery and confusing thing at times um uh, ironic choice of words there. Uh, <laughs> but uh, on one occasion, for example, that had to do with Rebecca's situation, again, um, my wife started to ask me one day about the automobile accident that took hit her husband's life. And, and as she asked me about it, I started to get sick to my stomach. And she kept asking me until I finally, all of a sudden, I was there. Okay. I was at the intersection right next to the cars that were crumpled and, and, the, and the people that were injured. And I, I saw and experienced Rebecca's husband. And I, I understood, I comprehended the magnitude of their love and their relationship and the tragedy of their separation. Yeah. And all of this was uh, several months, if not a year, after the fact. 
Okay. So there's no human way to explain what I experienced, either in geography or in time. Exactly. But I know what I experienced, what I saw and felt and heard. And one of the challenges in mortality, I think, is we get really hung up on this linear time thing, this cause and effect thing. If we do this, it'll bring this result, and, and, and this is what we can expect in the future. In some ways, that serves us. In some ways, it really damages us because that's not the way eternity is. Um, in eternity, we can see the end from the beginning, and we can move through time in a different way, which is advantageous to our spiritual growth and wholeness and oneness. I agree with you so much with that because I found uh, for me that now being trying to be more focused in the now and not really knowing not that I of course I make plans and and I have visions and dreams for the future but I I don't put so much demand on that future meaning I'm going to stay focused in this now I'm going to stay focused in a high, I know everything is vibration, and so keeping trying to keep my core vibration at a high vibration and trusting that as long as I stay at a high vibration, that the future is going to be of that like vibration attracts. So, not truly knowing, hope you know, having dreams, having visions, having intention for the future but not putting demands on the future the future and that's very hard for us as humans i as humans we don't want to make a step until we know where that ne that step is going to lead but spirit acts us tells us to make take this step and trust this step even though you don't know what the next step is going to be after that and that i i find is is difficult for us as humans, because we want to know what's going to be ahead of us before we take that step. But spirit is the opposite. Spirit says, trust. Take the step and trust. Yes, and, and if we really believe that, if we really embrace it, then we would take caution in calling anything we do a mistake. Exactly. Because it gets us into our present moment, into our now and where we are. Exactly. Um, when, when my friend Jeff Olson, for example, was in, in another realm, uh, he, he was worried about the things, some of the things he did in this life that he assumed were wrong and, and how that would work. And his guide told him, we don't view things that way here. We don't view things as right and wrong or good and bad. We view things as what did you learn from this experience? And so... Now I'm doing this spiritual mentoring with people. And someone asked me uh, not too long ago if in my current spiritual, uh, where I am now, if I regretted uh, being a physician for 30 years uh, in the ER. I said, oh, no, no, that's what got me here. That's what made me who I am. I couldn't do what I'm doing now if I hadn't have had those experiences. So it changes your perspective about why you're here. And it, it, it causes me pause to think that anything's a mistake because it moves me along the path in a direction which is valuable. I'm so glad you said that, said that because I say all the time, there is, from the spiritual perspective, there is no right and wrong. I say that all the time. And when, from the human perspective, I get a lot of pushback on that statement. But I know from spirit, there is no right and wrong. Because in truth, 
we are creating this reality and we collectively and individually and it's really the reality is real in the sense that we experience it and that's why we're here to experience it but the the in in truth it's not real it's like a movie of our own creation so that way in essence if someone murders somebody they're not really murdering somebody because there's no no such thing as death and and i believe in soul agreement i believe as soul as divine soul Nothing can happen to us without our soul agreement, meaning no one can kill us without our soul agreement. In spirit, there was a soul agreement. Okay, this time I'm going to take your life. Maybe next time you take my life. It's, 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 it's kind of like a game. And a lot of people's like, that sounds crazy. But from a spiritual perspective, it's not. It is. We choose to create these experiences for our soul growth. We know our soul cannot be injured. We know our soul is everlasting. And we chose, so sometimes we might chose in a lifetime to be the villain. Sometimes we might chose, chose to be a hero. You know, it's, it's, it's a play. It's like, um, what, oh, you know, the famous playwright, Shakespeare. <laughs> Shakespeare said, all of the world is a stage and everyone in it are actors. And that was very, very true. So. Yes. And, and, and to understand that better. And I was just writing a little piece on this yesterday. Somebody asked me to write something about, you know, why we're here on earth. Yeah. And it was, it was intended to be a very short 12 to 1500 words. And in writing that, I actually likened life to a play. Yeah. But the thing that we forget sometimes is that we're in the second act of a three-act play. Okay. And one of the reasons we struggle so much with where we are and what we're doing and why we're here is we forget that we were in the first act and that we had some choice in the path that we took. Exactly. And, and I appreciate and I, I like that you talked about us creating our reality, creating our experience. I actually have a friend down in Florida who had a near-death experience, and she had something that I've never heard anybody say before. Uh, people talk about a lot about near-death experiences. Why aren't they all the same? And that's troubling for some people. Yes. And uh, she was given to understand during her ex near-death experience that they were co-creating it and that she had a role in creating her own near-death experience. Um, and everybody's not born the same. Exactly. You know, you may be born in the African bush with a midwife, or you might be born in Cedar sinai Hospital by cesarean section. Your experience in birth is not going to be the same across the world. So why would we expect people's death experience to be the same? Exactly. Exactly. And I see that all the time, just like we are creating our experience, our, our life experience in totality, meaning we're creating this life experience. We're also creating what happens after we transition. Uh, so we're creating it all. So because we're creating it and co-creating it all, that it is going to be uniquely different. Yes. And it's supposed to be uniquely different. Yes. Yes, it, 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 it's, it's supposed to be specifically personally tailored. And I learned a lot about this once in a directed meditation. Um, I was in the middle of a meditation and I saw myself in creation, okay. which I had never experienced before. And it was profound. Um, and one of the things that I find that is almost universal uh, in people's near-death experiences when they're out of the body and in my own experience uh, one of which I shared with you already, people are given a choice. Yes. 
agency is paramount. And in fact, one of the things I help people understand as they come into their spiritual awareness, when they're experiencing uh, loved ones that have transitioned uh, or others, sometimes they have these vague spiritual experiences. They're not quite sure what to do with them or how to interpret them. And I give them two questions to ask. First one is, who are you? Which sometimes brings a profound context to what's coming. Uh, you don't always get an answer to that, but a lot of times you do. And when you do, it can be really uh, moving. Uh, the second question is, what do you want me to do? Because they're so respectful that it's our life, not theirs. That it's our choice, not theirs. A lot of times they might not deliver their message unless they're invited to do so. And so those two questions have really helped me, and I've seen them help other people a great deal when they're trying to understand spirit and learn to walk in spirit. Yes, yes. And I, I share, I'll, I, I want to answer that first question. When I, and I believe that when you understand who you are, and it is very personal, I say the answers are within inside us. And my answer to that question is that we are divine aspects of God all that is and god is everything all that oneness we talk about is god and we are an integral holographic multi-dimensional aspect and a, a holographic meaning all of god is in each of us i love rumi's quote you're not a drop in the ocean you are the ocean in a drop so each of us is a tiny cell microscopic tiny cell holographic cell of God, meaning all of God is in each of us. And God wants to experience everything through us. So that's how you come to, there is no right and wrong. There is no good and bad and, and evil because it's all God experiencing life as we create it. You know that there's so much uh, value in, in, in that, in that perspective, it, it, it helps us a great deal. And um, people struggle with that notion of being divine. It, 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 it's hard for them. It doesn't fit with uh, what they feel about themselves in some ways. I deal a lot with people in the Christian tradition. And one of the things I, I, I point out to them is that when Christ said he was the son of God, the Jews hated him so bad they wanted to kill him. They wanted to stone him to death. And his response to these people who wanted to kill him was, is it not written in your law, I have said ye are gods? These people that, he, that wanted to kill him, he was telling them, wait a minute, you're gods. You're accusing me of blasphemy for being a son of God, but you're gods. And, and that applies to all of us. And, and people get really uptight as well uh, about being having the answers within, knowing and, and, and looking inward for answers rather than outward. And yet again, in the tr Christian tradition, you know, John wrote, uh, he said, you have an anointing and you know all things and no man need teach you. So these things are right out of the New Testament. I mean, I'm not preaching some new doctrine. In fact, Christ wasn't preaching any new soon-to-be Christian doctrine. He was quoting from the 82nd Psalm that the Jews already accepted as sacred. So this notion of being divine, of being gods ourselves, is inculcated in almost all sacred and ancient literature, but people don't read it. They don't accept it as what it is. In fact, in my book, I talk about how... 
um, we strive to see other people as divine, as God. And we need to learn to see ourselves that way. And often the hardest place to see God is in the mirror. And I, I was on Facebook a while back and I came across this post that somebody put on there. It was this beautifully decorated mirror and it had a quote at the bottom. It said, the hardest place to see God is in the mirror. And I looked at it and I thought, that sounds so familiar. And uh, I read on a little bit further and she, there was an attribution. She was quoting me from my book. And I thought, oh, no wonder it sounds familiar. Yeah. That's so cool. <laughs> it's hard to see God in the mirror sometimes. Mm-hmm. That's so true. That's so true. Because from my, again, I always say I'm sharing my belief, my perspective from what resonates is true for me. The outer world is nothing but a mirror. The outer world isn't solid. We learned that. Now, this is, this is basic science, that there is nothing truly sol- solid. I was taught that in seventh grade when I was studying molecules and atoms. And so you put anything under a high-power microscope, all you see are these tiny moving particles that are not even touching. Then even if you take one of those tiny particles, it's mostly empty space. So what we're, what we're living still, I said this, what we call physical is still spirit. It's just dense. It's very dense. It's, everything is vibration. It's a low vibration and it's very dense. And to our limited human senses, it feels solid. It feels real. But it's still just spirit. Everything is spirit. And that spirit is interconnected and interdependent. So we can't just go by our limited human senses. So it's, it's when we open up to, if we go by our, our limited human senses, we're, we're negating 99.9% of what is around us. And we just know this from science, our science equipment that can, te- that can detect things that we can't detect. The what, gamma rays, you know, I'm not a scientist, but I know there's a lot of stuff around us that we can't detect that scientific equipment can detect. So for people to say, well, if I can't see it and hear it and blah, 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 I don't believe it, then you're, you're just negating 99.9% of the rest of reality. But, oh, I, I got off track because we were talking about the mirror. And so for me, I believe this, this outer realm that we call reality is just a reflection, just a mirror of what is in us. What is it? We're, just, we're projectors projecting our reality on this empty canvas. I, I agree with that. And uh, sometimes when I... When, when I talk to people about finding their answers, I, I have to remind them. I asked one woman one day, I said, do you struggle to to know whether your answers are coming from above or from within? And, and she goes, yeah, I do a lot. And I said, if you struggle with that, if you really labor at it, and if you come to the conclusion that your answers are coming from within, they're still divine. And, and it was really uh, affirming for her. It, you know, there's traditions around the world with people who seek religious enlightenment and they go to sacred places to worship or to get enlightenment. And the pattern is virtually always the same. You enter the sacred space and then you circumambulate up into the center where the seat of God is and where all knowledge, the repository of all knowledge rests there. In, in, in Old Testament tradition, they called it the Holy of Holies, where the, where the Ark of the Covenant was, right? Right. Well, in none of those traditions is the initiate 
instructed to go to the window and draw back the drape and look outward for their answer. The answer's always in the center. Mm-hmm. And we forget that those sacred edifices are built to represent the true temple, which is this, yes. where we dwell. Yes. And, and the pattern for us should be, we're not looking outward for answers. We need to look inward. We need to draw back the veil of forgetfulness that is this mortal flesh and remember what we've known from eternity. That's where the answers lie. And what we should be seeking isn't an outward validation of who we are. It should be a recollection of who we are. Within. And even Jesus, and there's so much great stuff in the Bible. If people actually just take the time, read it, and not let someone else interpret it for them. Because Jesus said, he was asked, where's the kingdom of heaven? He said, the kingdom of heaven is within Jesus gave us all the answers. He really did. Um, and w- if we really dive, you know, dive into the Bible and let it resonate with from within, and not someone else' in- interpretation of it, we'll. W- I think we will see things very c- clearer. We will. It'll resonate, and it'll. Because when I went to Catholic school. And what I was being taught in Catholic school did not resonate with me. I'm like, mm-mm, mm-mm, no. you, didn't, you didn't embrace the guilt? <laughs> no, 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 no. So that's why I, I had to like grow up and, you know, start seeking for myself. But then I, I learned there's a lot of good um, truth in the Bible that just has been misunderstood and mistranslated. And then people just kind of hang on to that instead of doing their own investigation. Investigate within your own heart. Yes, one of the things I've been bombarded with recently is people ask me about worthiness. Mm-hmm. You know, you came from a Catholic background. Are you worthy to partake of communion? <laughs> Are you worthy to partake of the sacrament of the marriage, right? There's all this focus on worthiness and somebody else assessing your worthiness. Yes. But what the, what the message that gets hammered home over and over again for the person that's listening to this is, are you worthy of divine love? Mm. Yes. Right? Yes. That's the ultimate question that's really being asked. And, of course, we all are worthy of that divine love. You can't make yourself unworthy of that love. That, uh, it's a gift. You don't have to earn it, and you don't have to be worthy of it. And so I started thinking differently about this. I don't think now anymore about, are you worthy? What I think about is, am I prepared? Am I prepared to receive the love? Am I prepared to receive the experience of enlightenment? Am I ready to embrace it and take it in and share it with other people? It's not a matter of worthiness. It's a matter of being prepared to learn and experience and share and help others. Yes. And I like what you said. You said it earlier. Um, I think when you were talking about Rebecca, but you said the the fact that for me, the one of the biggest uh, aha is not only am I worthy of divine love, I am divine love, the essence. So meaning it's always been with me, like where everybody wants love and we we feel like we have to find it. But it's all that love, that divine love is always within us and never separated from us. And when we find out, wait a second, I'm looking for and searching for something that I've always had. 
it's always been right here. And to me, that is, that was a big awakening for me because I, you know, I always felt unloved and, you know, always searching for that love in my, in my early, in my childhood, in my early twenties and, and thirties. And then to wake up and like, or realize, wait a second, I am love. That's the essence of who I am. And all I have to do is share that love and it'll come right back. Yes. And we're not just divine love, but we're the flip side as well in some regards. I was pondering, meditating about this once not too long ago. And I was contemplating this God that uh, I've heard so much about that's intolerant of sin, right? Mm-hmm. And in the midst of this contemplation, Spirit spoke to me and said, the God that is intolerant of sin is you. <laughs> yes. Right? That, now that's powerful. Yes. Uh, that, that gave me something to reconsider. I need to be more cautious and careful about what I think about people and things. And, and we're so much more a part of this. We're, we're not being acted upon. We are acting. Uh, and we need to to understand that more and and live it. I, As I've gone through my recent transition to helping souls heal more their spirits than their physical bodies, I was talking with a friend of mine one day, and he looked at me and he goes, "I think you're a healer." I said, "No, no, no. Wait a minute." I said, "I can help souls heal, but there's only one healer." That was my feeling at the time. And he thought about it for a minute. He goes, I disagree. I think you're a healer. And I think you should ask for permission to use the word. Mm -hmm. So I followed my tried and true uh, pathway. I came home. I changed my clothes. I went out for a long run. And in the process of running, I I asked, I said, is it okay to call myself a healer? And the the message that came to me on this occasion was a masculine uh, response. And he kind of laughed. (laughs) And he said, of course. I made you a healer. And I realized, oh, he's not jealous. He's not diminished by my successes. He begs us to follow him and be more like him. And all we have to do is accept that and go. Uh, And he makes us, she makes us, our divine, uh, 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 our God uh, if we, if you will, us, our divine self, uh, feminine and masculine together, uh, make us who we are and we should stop being ashamed of it. Exactly. Exactly. And that's the big thing too. I find with organized religion, sometimes they, they put God up here separate from you. They separate man and God and there is no separation. So that was another big aha for me. Wait a second. I'm not separate from God. No one is separate from God. And we can never for a a split, for a half a second, for a nanosecond, we can never be separated from God. God and I and God and, and, and even Jesus said, I and my father are one. Now, he didn't say just me. He said, I and my father are one. And he meant that and he knew that was true for all of us. We are all one with God, all one with all that is, because God is all that is. There is nothing separate from God. And when we understand that, it, it, it's just, it's, to me, it's so freeing because we know that 
life is eternal. We can never truly be injured. And you're exactly right. We can't make a mistake because everything, every step we make brings us to where we are in this now moment, where it's exactly where we're supposed to be. So it, it, it all, when we look at life from a spiritual perspective, it's totally different. And I think that it's that ego part of us, which is that monkey mind that wants to judge everything, that wants to say, oh, beat up on ourselves or beat up on others, because it's very limited, the ego, that humanness, that human part of us is very limited. So I, I agree. And I think of this duality in a different way than a lot of people. Uh, well, I think I, maybe I don't, maybe other, everybody thinks of it this way, but I'm a sculptor. Oh. And, and when I sculpt, I conceive something in my head. And in my head, what I've conceived is perfect before mm -hmm. I ever start to shape it in clay. Yeah. But the fact that it's perfect in my mind doesn't prevent me from uh, sculpting it in clay. Yes. And when I get the clay exactly the way I want it, then it's perfect in clay. Yes. Uh, but that doesn't prevent me from casting it in bronze. And the fact that I cast it in bronze doesn't mean that it wasn't perfect in clay. And see, I, I recognize these steps of sculpting, not of stages of becoming perfect, but stages of being perfect. And I think of us that way. We're in stages of being perfect. And if we're living our day in the now, if we know we're on the right path now, we are perfect now. And I think the Master Christ when he said, be ye therefore perfect, notice that he didn't say, become ye therefore perfect. I think he was saying, own your perfection, own your divinity, live in the now, and be perfect now. And that's how I view perfection, is living in the now and being connected with God in the now. I agree with you a thousand percent. I do, is because I do use that terminology terminology all the time that we're all perfect because we're all divine aspects of God and God. So whatever attributes we give God, we can give ourselves those same attributes. And I know that's very hard for some fundamental Christians to hear, but it, it, it's true. So whatever, if we say God is perfect, we are perfect in each and every now moment and everything is happening in perfect divine timing we can't and from our humanness our humanness just accept the limitation our humanness is very limited but i'm i'm gonna go by what resonates in my heart true spiritually because i know i have a physical body right now but it's like a car you know i've had many cars <laughs> you know I'll, I'll probably go through many bodies you know it's it's not who i am I have a body, it is a part of me right now, but it's not something, the body is not permanent, but the soul is. The soul is eternal. And that's who I identify with. I identify with my divine beingness. And, and so I think it's to me, um, oh, you had said something that reminded me of something I always say. I said, life is not happening to us. It's happening through us. So, and we do have that control. We have the free will. We can choose the, you know, we can choose to vibrate at a high vibration 
are we can choose to vibrate at a low vibration but it's all vibration to me um i think of it as terms of high vibration is unifying bringing us together low vibration is separating us is saying you're different than i am so but it's all vibration and god it's all god and so god doesn't say one is better than the other it just is and see it's interesting you mentioned that too because as you as you mentioned traditional christianity in many ways is all about how are we different from christ Hmm. right he he's the perfect person therefore we can't be like him and yet doing that voids the example that he said he was. If we want to follow his example, then we should be more like him, not make him unapproachable, right? right. So when, when he talks about being the light of the world, he turns it around and said, no, you're the light of the world, and don't put your light under a bushel, right? He was teaching profound divine truths, and, and we can be enlightened by following his example, but not if we make him so unapproachable that, that – that he's not like us, especially when he's all the time trying to say he is like us. And like you said earlier, when he said his great intercessory prayer about I and the father are one, he went on to say, and let all of these people be one with us. Right. Yes, 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 yes. And, and he did say we would do greater things than he has done. He said that there's so much that he said that, you know, that, if we really follow the teachings of Christ, he was showing us the way. He was showing us this is who we are, and we can be just like that. that is I agree. Yes. And, and his great intercessory prayer about becoming one was literally the at-one-ment. It was the atonement mm-hmm. of Christ. It was where we started today about being one. Yes, very, very true. Very, very true. This is so great. I love having these conversations. That's because I, I said, you know, when I awoke into the truth of oneness, I said, I want to have conversations with people that are awake and share these conversations with the world. So that's kind of how this show got started. Please share with our listeners how they can follow you, how they can get a copy of your book, all of that great stuff. Okay. Um, I've learned from these experiences that I should bring a copy of my book. And so this is, this is my book. It's titled Not Yet. Mm-hmm. It's available on Amazon, both in print and in Kindle form. And um, people can reach me at jeffledriscoll.com. Or I recently got the uh, domain name helpingsoulsheal.com. And that'll take them to the same, my website. Uh, there's also my children's books are on that website. If people are interested in my children's books, I can order them from there. Awesome. Um, if, if you get my children's books, get them off my website, not off of Amazon, because I had to bump the price way up on Amazon to cover all their charges. So get them on my mm-hmm. website if you want the children's books. Oh, okay. That's good. The other, the other book is the same price on my website or on Amazon. Not yet. And this, this is actually my novel. It's called Who Buried Achilles? Oh, Okay. Before I, before I was willing to uh, own a lot of my spirituality, before I came out of the spiritual closet, if you will, yes, I, I wrote this novel and dealt with it in fiction, fictional form, because then I didn't have to take ownership of it, right? Yes. And, and this is a very broken character, but he makes a spiritual journey. He, it's, a, it's really a redemption story. And that's also available on Amazon and on uh, Kindle and on my website. And so people can get that as 
well. Uh, I'm on Facebook. You well, reach out to me on Facebook, and uh, uh, you can connect there. And I, I love to hear from readers if they have questions or comments about my book. I, I'm thrilled to do that. If people have a group and they're getting together and we can make it work uh, financially, I, I love to do a book clubs and visit and speak in person. And uh, I do workshops. I do speaking engagements. And people can reach me through my website. Awesome. Very good. Thank you. And you're, you're, are you in Phoenix area? I'm in Utah. Utah. Okay. Salt Lake City. Okay. Uh, Jeff Olson is down in Arizona. My okay. good Actually, Jeff Olson's sort of around. He he was in Arizona for a while, and his wife lives in Arizona. He's living in Utah right now because okay. of his job, and so he kind of commutes back and forth with him and his wife see each other less than they used to. Um, yes. Uh, I'm in Utah. Okay. I was just wondering, because I, I go to Arizona a couple of times a year for different conventions and conferences, and so because Helping Parents Heal um uh, their first conference was in arizona last year this next year it's going to be in south carolina but I was yes just... i'm looking forward to speaking at that conference yes. oh awesome so i'll see you there i'll yes. meet you in person awesome very oh good. and i should mention i always forget to mention this if people want a personal up close and personal experience with jeff olson and i uh, we've put together a cruise and we're doing a cruise in January. It's called Healing Tides Cruise. And there's a Facebook page. If you type Healing, Healing Tides Cruise, you can go to the Facebook page. It has all the details. It's a 10-day cruise out of, uh, I think it's Miami. And it goes to Aruba, Bonaire, Carousel. And we've uh, invited a, a person. Her name's Rachel Pearson. She does readings and things. She'll be on the cruise. And we're not going to interfere with anybody's vacation. Right. But... On the evenings when we're at sea, we're going to have sessions on the boat, and we're going to we're going to talk, we're going to share our story, we're going to take question and answer. We're going to it's going to be a wonderful vacation with some spiritual healing, uh, and it's next January. Oh wow, amazing! That sounds great. Uh, I'm going to look into January is my birthday month, so I'm going to look into that. Awesome. Thank you so much for being my guest on Awake to Witness Radio. I Like I said, I love just connecting with so many souls that are awakened to the truth of who we truly are and sharing their light with the world because that's why we're here. And I, I so appreciate you so much. Thank you so much, Dr. Jeff. And I will be seeing you soon, I know. I just feel it in my heart. Okay. This this will be good. Thank you for having me. It's been an honor and a pleasure. Namaste. Namaste. Thank you so much. Have a great day. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Wake up, wake up, wake up, wake up, Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. <gasps> no, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.